The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash NFL. With the start of baseball season, Podcast One Sportsnet has all your bases covered. Get your fix with home run shows like the Dan Patrick Show, the Rich Eisen Show, and Baseball and Chill. Don't miss new episodes of these shows and more all summer long on Podcast One Sportsnet. Hey listeners, do you miss when sports networks cover just news and highlights without the yelling and fake debates? I know I do. That's why I watch CBS Sports HQ. What is CBS Sports HQ? It's the free 24-hour sports network that's built for fans like you and me. I love that I can get tons of highlights, analysis, and instant game reactions, everything that matters about the game without diving into political and social issues like on other sports networks. And if you enjoy placing some bets or competing against your friends in a fantasy league, their experts are always dishing out their top picks and advice to help me win. So check out CBS Sports HQ. It's always on and always free. No need to pay a subscription fee or have an expensive cable package. Just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Fire TV, Roku, or Apple TV to start watching today. Welcome into the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo here with Mike Renner talking some NFL draft. How you doing, Mike? I am doing fantastic. Ready to get into class superlatives. That's what we're doing today. Class superlatives, superlatives by position. But you're over here trying to do your fix your Twitter poll here. Yeah. Well, Steve, recently, you guys can go vote on my poll. It's actually only up for a half hour more, so you're not going to be able to vote on my poll. But Steve took <laughs> this is very a personal. cup of coffee out of a normal drip coffee brewer when it was only halfway through brewing. which So he gets the strongest part of the coffee and leaves everyone else the weak part. No, because, look, they and would I, not create a feature. Because there, there are some drip pots, if you, pull, if you pull it out, it, just, it's, it keeps brewing. It stops brewing when you pull it out. So it's like it, they, they designed it for mid-pot pours. I don't think that's a feature. That's more, like, it's more a fail-safe to make sure that you... That I think it's a feature. I'm just saying... My coffee it's an is... It's not really caffeinated. Yeah, and mine tastes like water, so mm. that's why you're so. That, it's just selfish. It's selfish. That is good, it's strong not, coffee. It's not not selfish. All right, but let's get some. Sam convinced me that it was, that it was fine, that it was good to go. Yeah, I know you guys both. I can't believe this. I mean, I can't believe this. Even you Nate Gerstel, who's like Mister Office Etiquette over here. I mean, if we have a question, because none of us really worked in an office before, mm-hmm. you know, like we all came from random Weird. places, yeah. right? Nate knows office etiquette, and Nate. Doesn't care. Mid-pot poor, he's like, okay, whatever. He's just too easy. He's worth 100 votes in your poll, so let's see here. Are we losing? Yeah. My people are losing? It was also a very leading poll, the way you worded it. 
I don't think very leading. Let's get to the superlatives, though. Let's get to the superlatives. You'll, you'll find out the. You'll be able to see the results when just go to my Twitter account. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball with quarterback. We'll just go through some some fun superlatives, things that we've seen on film. Starting with the best arm strength in the class, a guy that we have as an undrafted free agent, but throws absolute missiles. Tyree Jackson from Buffalo. Yeah, six seven. I mean, two fifty of an arm. Yeah, the fact that he's not getting. Any sort of first round hype with how strong his arm is should tell you how bad of a quarterback shows, he actually, shows how bad you know, like should show how bad at the rest of the stuff he really is. I actually had a dream a few weeks ago that he was an edge defender, and like he switched to edge defender and it was really? actually good. Yeah, so that tells you how much with his uh, size how, and athleticism. I've been doing this too much it. over the past few weeks, but yeah, Tyree Jackson. I mean, he really probably should switch. He might positions. be tight end three in this class, though. Yeah. Hawkinson, Fance, Tyree Jackson. He, and then you run a couple trick plays where he, maybe he can. Yeah. Throw one eighty yards down the field. You don't for get you. athletes that big ever. Yeah. That's why they play tight end usually. He right. should be a tight end. So Tyree's got or a cannon. Uh, for most accurate, we'll go in Kyler Murray when we talk about the entire package of accuracy. Short, intermediate, deep. He has it all. Uh any this one was not an opinion either. This one we tracked it. Yes, I mean, we actually have the numbers to to back it up. Some of these are opinions, this Uh, one. We did not have um, most dynamic or most athletic, but that would also be Kyler. You know, best outside of structure. I think, you know, you've got what Kyler Murray can do. Mm -hmm. Uh, What about boomer bust? We're going to have one boomer bust prospect pretty much for every position. You went with Drew Locke here. And I I agree. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think he has the most... The widest range of outcomes of any of the quarterbacks in this class. I, can I like the way you Drew said Locke. that because that that's essentially how we view this whole thing, right? Yeah. Boom or bust is this binary. You're either good or you're bad, but it's about range of outcomes. There could be good outcomes in there yeah. for Locke. There could be some disastrous outcomes. I've compared him to Jay Cutler. I think that's mm-hmm. that's Jay Cutler. To Jay Cutler's even through his career had a wide range, he had a wide of, range of, of outcomes. So that's the thing about player evaluation too, just to hammer home. These guys, it's not like Madden where guys just get better every single year. Mm-hmm. Like you have a skill set that might go up down up and down mm-hmm. year to year and that's where Drew Locke kind of is. All right, let's go to running back. Who's the most elusive back? It's David Montgomery. And it's probably if we did this over the course of our you know, 5 years, 6 years of grading college football, He'd probably win most elusive. Just the dude breaks tackles. He, he's very difficult to bring down. Ninety nine on the ground this past year led the NCAA each of the last two seasons. Uh, he's tough. Yeah, that's that's just on the ground. That's not even including mm-hmm. as a receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, one hundred seventy five. I think over the last two years is it force missed tackles. Ninety nine last year. Eighty six in two thousand seventeen. That's one hundred eighty five. It is 185. I saw it at 175 somewhere. Mm-hmm. I may have had a, a different filter on. Okay. Maybe I didn't have a... He had 13 against Drake and 12 against Kansas State <laughs> and 14 against West Virginia. I just like looking at the uh, the play-by-play here. He yeah. would just have stretches where, you know, every single run for like five runs, he just breaks one. Really least, tough to tackle. <laughs> uh, best power back in the draft. I'm going go with Josh Jacobs. I think that's the reason why so many people are so high on him. He runs aggressively in short yardage. That's to me best power back is you know third and one, fourth and one goal line. Who am I taking? That's power back. So it's not necessarily big, the biggest, strongest. It's you know combination of size, some athleticism. It's Josh Jacobs. He also can make people miss, but he's going to do it more from from running them over yeah. like he did that poor Oklahoma mm-hmm. sap. Uh, best home run hitter, Mike. I'll let you take this one. <laughs> Could have been Daryl Henderson. 
He has some good data. I, I typed this name in. I was waiting for you to correct. But it's Bryce Love. It's Bryce Love. When he's healthy, it is Bryce Love. You have a whole article. Whole article on, on ProFootballFocus.com right now about why he is so special and why I think people are still sleeping on him. I mean, we saw what Adrian Peterson did after an ACL injury. We saw what a lot of I mean, he's still doing after an ACL injury. I don't think it's a death knell to him whatsoever. If you get a clean bill around draft time, he should be one of your top five backs. We were we were watching a little bit of Bryce Love yesterday, who you know coming into the season was a top five back for sure in this class. But some of the angles that he's defeating at the college level mm-hmm. and some of the gaps that he's running through, just fantastic. Yeah. So it is one of those, if you give him, a, if you put him behind a good offensive line and give him a run into the second level, you know, he's, I, he's, my, he's hitting home runs. Um, one of my things earlier today, you see Ravens, uh, Eagles, mocked running backs round one. Yeah. You got Bryce Love in the fourth or fifth in that offense, I'd rather have him in one of those behind very good offense lines where he's going to have holes than probably any other back in this draft just because he'll be like, he would take so much attention from defense because he's liable to hit that home run on any given play with how many, how gaping some of the holes those O lines can block for. No, I like it. it. It makes a ton of sense, especially if you're talking run blocking plus, you know, Lamar Jackson just helping the box count and giving, you know, a little extra room to run. What about a boomer bust running back prospect, Mike? Boomer bust running back prospect, there is none. Or it's all of them. No, there is none because it's either we won't it's draft we won't draft a running back high enough for them to be a bust. We won't. As I always say. But yeah. Players don't bust, teams bust. Yes. Teams overdraft these players who then be call, are called mm-hmm. busts. So they're all busts. But in our or they're minds, not bust. None of them are busts because we're not taking any. We would we're not gonna draft one high enough to bust. All right, we're gonna wait until the fourth round. And then find Bryce Love, because that's how we're doing it. It's a no-boomer bust. Right, let's go to wide receiver. A few different ways that we could break this down. But the best deep threat, I'm going to say DK Metcalf. Compared him to Mar- Martavis Bryant before because of the size, the ball skills, and the speed. Ability to get off press and just get that second gear down the field. I'm going DK. I don't disagree. I think he is the best deep threat. Good, Andy Isabella, though, has the most oh. deep yards. Just oh, saying. so you're going Andy Isabella? I'm just saying he has the most deep yards over the last Well, look, stuff. if we're going to put Andy Isabella in the first round and say he's an outside receiver, then he has to have some sort of superlative like this that makes sense. He's, he's up there. He's what about good. Marquise Brown? Marquise Brown's up there, too. But actually, Marquise Brown, under Ailey, wasn't used as much down the field as a pure downfield receiver, as you might think. Right. A lot of his home runs were intermediate, underneath plays that he himself... That he took to the house. Yep. Best contest- contested catch-wide receiver, this one, pretty easy. Easy, easy money. Led, that, led the nation this season... Or let's excuse me, led the draft class this past season, led the draft class in 2017. It is JJ Arcega Whiteside out of Stanford, both of the years, and I feel very comfortable about that translating to the NFL. What about the best hands in the draft class? So we want pure data hands, and two guys somewhat crazily tied in terms of drop rate, just drop rate over their careers. Cody Thompson from Toledo, Toledo, the other Toledo wide receiver. Five drops on 145 catchable. And Jacoby Myers, the other NC State wide receiver, six drops on 174, which is, I, my calculator tells me the exact same percentage. That's what your calculator is telling you, huh? Yep. Why don't you do it by hand? You do all this math in your head. Do it in your head. No. Okay. It's too, Cody that Tom- was a little too much for me. Cody Thompson has a, a fascinating career because he like, he's always been productive when he's been on the field. He's battled injuries over the last couple of years. Uh, had a couple years averaging about 20 yards per catch and everything. Kind of a sneaky deep threat. 
Sneaky. Sneaky speed. Yeah. I mean, no, good hands for Cody Thompson. Mm-hmm. Uh, best route runner. We're staying in Toledo, Mike? Right. I'm staying in Toledo. Deontay Johnson. If you haven't watched him play, he can get in and out of his breaks with so efficiently. Uh, he, he tested out, like, cheeks at the combine. Uh, he just None of it made sense. His three-cone wasn't good. His short shuttle wasn't good. Then you flip on the tape, and he just moves so naturally as a receiver in and out of his cuts. His runs an ridiculously good deep comeback. I mean, he can stop on a dime, that guy. So I don't know how what, why his testing didn't match up whatsoever with how he plays on tape, but he's electric. You, Sam, and I have all go through our all had our own bouts of watching him and being like, wow. Mm-hmm. Sam's in the other room right now watching him. And before I came in here to podcast, he pulls out a play from last year against Miami, a little <laughs> in and out. It was like the... I thought you were going to say pulls out uh, lotion, but I was... Continue. I don't know why. That's where your that. head's... That's where my head's at. at. Continue. Man, we got to get you back on The Bachelor or something like that, man. Come on. He, he shows me... A little in and out route, which is like the Edelman game winner from the mm-hmm. Super Bowl a couple years ago. A little in and out against Miami mm-hmm. from 2017, where he created about 10 yards of separation on yeah. a three yard route. It was fantastic. No. Do we. He, and he had a post uh, in 17 also where he kind of just gives a head fake to the outside and a post against off cover three, but the corner was probably about 15 yards away. But by the time he caught he, that post, he accelerates he, yeah. out of those breaks really well. Uh, I know we put out our draft board already, but the the draft is in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Do we need to go back and move him up? I I argued for it at the time, and you'll recall this. You didn't want to put him above Nikhil Harry. I was all in favor of that, but we'll see. I don't know. The more I watch, you might talk to I me. I mean, I think it. we could still have He had him. outstanding 2017 grading. Last year was a little inconsistent with his drops, but who cares? Uh, boomer bust prospect at wide receiver. I'm going DK Metcalf again because, you know, the same reasons we've seen I guess the question is going to be, he has to go to an offense that will take advantage of his downfield ability and his ball skills. Mm-hmm. You know, If he's not That's with fair. the right quarterback, it could get ugly. It won't change his skill set, but it might change his outcomes and his production, which makes him a little bit of boomer bust versus some of these other guys, yeah. I think. I'm going Marquise Brown. I mean, to be, to be boomer bust, you have to be drafted high. So it's going to be one of the top end guys. Right. He's rumored to still be going first round. I worry about the size. This is too strong. Okay. Stop looking at it. It's your a little too sentences. saturated. My coffee. Just saying. Oh gosh. You're trying to you're trying to make me mad. I now. may have stolen all, right. all of the caffeine. Marquise Brown. Uh, he won, he's just you'd never see him against press. They, the defenses that faced Oklahoma were just terrified to get up and press those wide receivers. You never see him against press one. Uh, and then his size, 166 pounds. Now some of that was had the surgery before, and the surgery itself, the Liz Frank injury, is obviously a concern, too, and the fact that at his size, you just worry about injuries, any little nick really robbing him of that speed and that being an issue. But just being able to handle press and then just being able to hold up at that size, having not really done either up to this point, those are worrisome concerns. And we talked about him on the other show, this spectrum of Deshaun Jackson being the high-end, undersized yeah. speed guy. Who's, who was at the bottom end? Tavon Austin would be. Tavon Austin's on the other end. I mean, that's a, that's a wide range of outcomes that Marquise <laughs> Brown could have at the next level. Let's move on to tight end. The best run blocker in the draft. I'm going to say it's TJ Hawkinson, the guy that's number one on our draft board. The Iowa tight end who is just your... I think he's the closest thing to your quintessential three-down, old-school tight end. He actually had to block defensive ends in the running game, where a lot of these tight ends in college football today are they're playing the wing and they're you know you know cracking back on defensive ends, but you know cutting them and everything. I mean, he actually got in the trenches against defensive ends and moved them, 
and he also gets to the second level and moves linebackers. There are some highlight level yeah. blocks that Hawkinson has on film. Uh, I'm not going to disagree about Hawkinson being a fantastic blocker, but I'm going to go elsewhere. I'm going to go Trayvon Wesco, West Virginia, 267 pounds. He's a horse, he almost 35 inch arms. I draft this guy. He ran a four eight nine forty. That's not good, but I draft this guy. I tell him, I'll give you a guaranteed contract. You'll get you'll get your four years. You know, he's probably gonna be fifth, sixth round, or late round. You get guaranteed four years if you start put if you put on thirty pounds and be my swing tackle. I like. I think that's how good he has is as a blocker, and it really has no real receiving upside to speak of. There's not there's not a lot of receiving skills there. I say upside, obviously I, quotation marks. Um, the the receiving ability not there. So at that point, he's going to be a number two tight end. He's going to be your blocking tight end, anyways. If he has, bulk him up. if he gets up to tackle size and he can actually block, maintain that as a tackle, all of a sudden you got, you know, half of, not I don't want to say half of what it takes to play tackle in the NFL, but a good portion of it is there's just not a lot of guys who have who are six four, six five with thirty three plus inch arms, you know, with enough length to play tackle position. There's just not a lot of athletes. You're sampling from a small sample size of athletes. He's obviously athletic enough, can do that. And if he, you know, you can get that guy to, and the technique is there as a run blocker, as we've seen, that's what I would do if I'm a GM. The but entire, the entire Jason Peterson. Oh yeah, Ch- I mean, Peters changed from tight end to tackle. Mm-hmm. The entire book of uh, Moneyball was essentially finding those those holes in the market, so to speak, where you can just find mm-hmm. secret value. Right? We haven't studied it in depth, but I think something like that. You've got a guy who's a clear tight end two or three, yeah. clear run blocking tight end, which is zero value too. Which has zero value. Where if you can ma- if you can make him into a swing tackle or potential starter tackle is immense value. Mm-hmm. Finding more of those guys, I and mean, we have to make a list of where all these different different things are. But it starts with just our general discussion. If you have a tackle that might be able to play tackle at the next level, give him a shot, and then move him to guard and all that stuff. I think these are little. It's, I like it. It just yeah. little ways to to build a team that I think are important. Best contested catch tight end. I'm going Josh Oliver from San Jose State. He's got the highest percentage of contested catches over the last couple of years. You know, Mock Draftable, the website that we use a little bit. Yes. You get the spider charts, compare all of your measurables and all that stuff. His top comp on there is Rob Gronkowski. Oh, now it's not because you, now Gronk did not test. There, well, I'm just saying Gronk yeah. didn't test all that well coming out. He was injured and all he that stuff. But I think it's because of his hands. They're both like 95th percentile hands. Big, big hands. Big hands, contested catches. Oliver's got pretty good body control, all that stuff. So he's not Gronk, but I, it was interesting that that's his top comparison. I will say, I, I do think hands matter. I'm going to tell a little story. My brother has always had very good hands and always bragged about having very good hands. He has 10 and a half inch hands, my brother. Same, si- same height as me. Six foot. We're the same. He has very good hands. It makes but it easier to ten and a half inch hands. I have nine inch hands. It makes it very like oh, you could it, never play QB. He c- can catch palm basketball, all that sort of stuff at a just at a high level. It helps to have big hands catching. That's passes. why Josh Oliver is our best. Josh Oliver, sixteen. That was six in all college football. I mean, he had a ton. So. Sixteen contested. Yes. Yep. Uh, best overall hands in the class. We're going T.J. Hawkinson. Only two drops on seventy-five catchable in his career. That one's. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly two on seventy-five. Is a that's a very good rate. He plucks it out of the air. I expect that to continue in the NFL. Hawkinson really shouldn't be in the top ten conversation because he's just solid and good mm-hmm. all around. He's not a freak 
tight end, but he's just good and solid all around. That's why he's best run blocker, best hands. The boomer bust tight end, though, is his teammate Noah Fant yeah. because he's the drops work the other way for him. Opposite end of the spectrum, 13 on 91 over his career. Right. Is a, that's a high rate. I mean, that's worrisome. It's been every single year, too. It's not just like 13 in one year or like four right. in one game. It's been consistent theme. Uh, a little straight liney in terms of his routes for my liking. There's just some issues there where he might, you know, he, if you draft a guy in the first round, you want a complete guy to do anything you ask him to in an offense, and there could be issues there. He's also forced three missed tackles in his entire career. He's not great after the catch. It's, it's, there was a lot of straight lines. For as athletic as you always, I always worry about guys who are that athletic. Miles Boyk and I've said before at wide receiver, when you're that freakishly athletic, but then you can't break tackles. There's just something to that and when you have guys the opposite end of the spectrum who can break tackles and aren't athletic. Right. It's kind of like this elusiveness, a feel for the game is just not natural to him. All right, let's wrap up offense with just O-line superlatives. Our best pass sets, we're going to say Jonah Williams from Alabama. That's what I'm saying. Do you have anybody better? No, Jonah Williams has been clean going from the right side then to the left. Uh, he just is very exceptional. He talked great interview with him austin gale did on our youtube channel go check it out he has he keeps an excel spreadsheet on every pass rusher he faces studies them what a dork tracks their moves how often they employ them he's uh, you hear stuff like that and you just think that the guy's gonna make you uh, you feel confident about that guy making at the next level i'm not saying he's joe thomas at all but when you watch joe thomas play there's just something so smooth about every pass set so Controlled, And I think yeah. Jonah has elements of that in his game. We mentioned um, on one of the other shows that he's got the highest grade on his profile on our YouTube channel. He's got the highest grade against stunts in the entire class. And you see him just the vision is fantastic and he's passing guys off. He's just really good mm-hmm. um, at a lot of the nuances of the game. Uh, best run blocker. I'm going Juwan Taylor from Florida. Absolutely destroys people in the run game. He does. I can't argue with that. I think he is a fantastic run blocker. Yeah, there's no one I'd really put ahead of him as a run blocker. I'd say some guys are close to Dalton this. Dalton Reisner's close. Reisner would definitely be one of them. Uh, I was also going to throw out uh, Nate Davis out of Charlotte. I love him. Oh, yeah, in the he's run fun. Game. The guard. He's a, yeah. a horse. That, uh, so those guys. Uh, but Juwan Taylor, yeah, for what he brings to the table as a true junior is it's pretty special. So he's a power run blocker, but the best zone blocker, which again, this just a broad term that gets thrown around there but when you watch Garrett Bradbury the center out of NC State and some of the reach blocks that he makes just that slightly undersized super athletic center that's Bradbury yeah, yeah zone blocker being more like guys that can move like yeah. in a zone scheme you got to be able to climb to the second level you got to be able to uh, reach block nose tackles reach block you know depending on where you're on the line of scrimmage reach guys Garrett Bradbury freakishly athletic for what he can do for centers very reminiscent of Jason Kelsey, what he can just add on another level athletically than most centers you see in the NFL. And I've said before, uh, Philadelphia uses Kelsey to pull quite a bit in their mm-hmm. zone scheme. He looks like a little linebacker running out there <laughs> trying to trying to block yeah. linebackers, and he's really good at it. Uh, for Boomer Bust, I was debating Jawan Taylor there just because there's enough question marks about him in pass protection, but I'm going mm-hmm. Greg Little more for the boom factor out of Ole Miss. He's not the cleanest as far as the pass sets go and all that stuff, but when he's put into must you know pass blocking situation so to speak he's he's fared pretty well you know i think there's uh, stupid traits to work with you know he's (laughs) he's had some success but there's still more to improve to work with especially in pass protection no i don't hate that i think you can go that way i was going to go with cody ford the oklahoma 
one year. I mean, really one year and not a ton of passes. Just not challenged a lot. I mean, probably challenged right. in, just in terms of who we faced less than any of the other offensive linemen in this class by far. So uh, I think a lot of teams are already saying kick him into guard. I can, I'm can, i fine with that if you do want to kick him into guard. The athleticism concerns are definitely there on tape at tackle. So uh, I think if you're getting a guard and he's you're drafting him 15th overall, you better be getting a special that's guard. Risky, and so right? That's risky. Yeah, that to me is risky. Before we get to the defensive side of the ball, it's time for this week's Eckrich Ingredients for Success featuring Kentucky Edge defender Josh Allen. Allen's success starts as a pass rusher where he posted the nation's top pass rush grade in 2018. His size and athleticism allows him to win in a variety of ways off the edge, and he's also improved as a run defender, and he's excellent when dropping into coverage. Allen's coverage ability is just an added weapon at the next level as he's dropped back 300 times over the last two years and broke up an impressive four passes on just 20 targets last season. Allen has the ingredients to be an impact defensive player in the NFL. Visit Eckridge.com today for meal ideas featuring Eckridge smoked sausage and their entire lineup of breakfast meats, franks, and easy-to-follow recipes. All right, let's move on to the defensive side of the ball and some superlatives starting on the defensive line with the edge defenders. Mike, who has the best first step, the best burst off the line? Best first step. This one was a debate just watching film between me when I was going through before I had any testing numbers between Brian Burns and Chikai Polite. I would give the nod to Burns because Chikai Polite false steps a ton. And also now because Chikai Polite tested out like buns at whatever weight he checked in at. Uh, but he probably played like two. But it doesn't change two, what we saw in film. At two thir- but that's the thing is what we saw in the film was probably him in like 235. Right. What we saw at the combine and uh, at his pro day was him weighing 258 pounds. He obviously put on bad weight in a short amount of time. Brian Burns put on weight and still had that elite burst. So I think Brian Burns, to me, best first step in this class. Somebody on Twitter had a very fair question for us. As we put out the draft board, they said, why did Ja'Kai Polite fall? on your draft board because, hey, we're PFF. We talk about the grades matter the most and all that stuff. Explain to the people why we had Ja'Kai Polite actually fall. So he had a very good grade, and a lot of that came in a few games. And so when that's always risky when you have guys who dominate and you dominate, Colorado State was his highest-graded game last season. Yep. Offense tackles that won't sniff the NFL. That's always a little risky, and you see a fantastic athlete on tape. That's what we saw listed at 240. And realistically that's probably what he's playing at maybe even played under 240 and looked like a fantastic athlete he shows up at the combine 258 and then does not look like a fantastic athlete all the combine numbers all are terrible terrible numbers and so that to me we already have question marks about can he pl- what weight is he playing at what can he do at the nfl it's just because you can't really know at the college level because it does matter what you're playing at when you should get to the nfl it's just not going to work against bigger tackles in the nfl so when you you need to get to the 240 range at least and maintain the athleticism. If you can't get bigger and maintain his athleticism, then well, well, then, I mean, then you're kind of not you're not going to be playing three downs in the NFL. And then he had a little bit of time to get better at his pro day, and things got worse. Yeah, worse. At and so then day. that's like a work ethic red flag there. The fact that you're not getting better, right? You know, so there's you know? an issue there, and it's, a, it's apparently a Florida issue because that's what happened with Tease Tabor a couple years ago. Remember, Tease a couple years ago gets yeah. worse at the at his pro day. And we had never heard of anything like that. The pro day, it's like, hi, it's a 39-yard dash, and you figure out where the wind is, and you you, you don't have three hours of sleep like you do at the combine. You're well-rested. Like, there's a lot of things in favor, in your favor at your pro day. When things are worse, that's another big red flag because, again, it's this all-encompassing work ethic, 
job interview red flag. I want to go back to the weight thing really quickly because we've had a lot of guys that have graded well in college as edge defenders in the 2 to 120, 230 pound range who just don't get opportunities at the next level. And it's not like we're pounding the, pounding the table for them to get opportunities because there, there is this you know, inability to create power at the next level if you're only 225, 230. So that's another part of the concern. If he was playing at a legit 235, we haven't seen many guys under 240, even with great PFF grades, translate to the next well, level. And that's what I was saying earlier with the Colorado State thing. It's who you're beating. Right. He wasn't beating you know, the elite tackles that he was facing. He was beating up on guys. And he had a couple nice rushes in the SEC. It wasn't like it was all one side. No, but but it was good, but it wasn't first-round good with him when he faced real competition. It was, you know, there is still, like, this projectional aspect of they're not finished products. There's a ways to go, and if we don't feel confident that guy's going to get there, well, we're going to drop down our board. All right, it's an important conversation. It was a very fair Mm -hmm. question from one of our followers because we're focused on production. We think it's the most important thing, but there are other variables that go into this whole thing. Um, edge defender, back to that. Best bull rush, Josh Allen from Kentucky. We're Josh Allen. He's just got so much pop in his hands. You watch him against Martez Ivy, the Florida offensive tackle. It was comical. Like He would just hit him in the chest, and Ivy just no recourse. Like his hand, He just had nothing, no sort of – I think every sort, single rep he went against him, it seemed like he just threw him back into the quarterback's lap in that game. The funny thing about uh, – I, I, so Ivy was a former five-star recruit, mm-hmm. and because of that, he was getting – you know, a lot of draft yeah. hype coming Before into the year. Taylor. Jawan Taylor was the three-star recruit, mm-hmm. became a first-round prospect. Ivy never really developed, and he was getting hype even with a couple poor seasons at guard at Florida. Best hands among edge defenders? I think this is pretty clear. Nick Bosa. No doubt. Nick Bosa. That's their, that's just, the Bosa's calling card. what they do. They, they just win. Win with their hands. And then the boomer bust edge defender, I think we have to go Rashawn Gary. Do we go Montez Sweat? I mean, we've talked about those guys quite a bit. More but. Rashawn Gary in my mind. There's... It's just far less developed, and the athleticism, definitely there. You could see it again and again, but then why did it not ever work? You know, why did it never really translate? His boomer bust might be dependent on how he's used, too. I mean, is a team going to treat him in that Michael Bennett type of role where he's a base defensive end and then rushes against guards? And if he does that, maybe you find some value there. I think if he's a pure edge defender and has to beat tackles, 25 to 35 times a game. I think he's, he might yeah. have some issues there. And it seems like, so he's you know representing himself as his own agent. It seems like he's sort of, when he came to Michigan, he wanted to play edge. He didn't want to be a defensive tackle, even though he was 290 pounds in, right. col- in high school. So it seems like he, you're not going to be, you're not, once he gets in there, he's going to be like, I'm an edge. I'm not a, I'm not a DI. So That part's scary. Mm-hmm. A little scary. So Rashawn Gary's our boomer bust edge defender. Let's move to the interior of the defensive line. Best first step. I'm going to say best first step, second step, third step. It's all Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver Every getting movement. off the line of scrimmage is impressive. Yes. Yeah, so he knows how to get off the line of scrimmage. Now the question is, can he use his hands? Does he have enough pass rush moves to truly live up to the top 10 hype? Best bull rush in the draft class here? Jeffrey Simmons. He uses his arms extremely well. Very powerful for as young as he is. 35, almost 35-inch arms. Not even 22 years old yet. I mean, he's... Uh, he's going to be a handful when he gets back on a football field. He looked like he put on a ton of weight at Mississippi State. That seems to be the trend for a lot of Mississippi State prospects through the years. Get them fat, yeah. They get them really – Benardrick McKinney a couple years ago, even Chris Jones I think Mm -hmm. got a little bit. I feel like Simmons could even slim down a little bit, and he's got that old-school 3-4 – Body type three four D end body type like six four two ninety five. I think it's like his pro, ideal. He's like the size. prototype like size six four yeah. long arms. 
little like 310 pounds that that to me is you can play anywhere on the defensive yeah. line at that point. He uses his leverage extremely well there. Best hands among interior D linemen, the guy that wins the most. Quinnen. I yeah. mean, he just you can't you can't get in his patch. He's getting in yours. And then for boomer bust prospect, we went we circled back to Ed Oliver. Just because I think the boom is pretty clear, right? If the athleticism, the movement skills, everything about it is special, but there's still some technique issues yeah. to tidy up or just to improve or to just teach from the ground up, really, mm-hmm. with Oliver. Yeah, I, I just think him against double teams could be an issue right away. He did not look great against double teams. Him rushing the passer might not be an immediate transition. So, there are again, there's a ways to go for him to be, you know, to live up to a top 10 billing. All right, let's move on to linebacker. The best tackler in the linebacker class, Tavon Coney from Notre Dame, has only 17 missed tackles on 319 attempts 28 players had more in 2018 alone wow so so 17 missed tackles on 319 attempts that's just an incredible rate of yeah of securing five percent over the course of his career i love his balance that's why we're so high on him love balance in football players think that helps you play he's not a freak athlete by any means but he's in my opinion athletic enough to be a three down linebacker so good balance ratio for tavon coney we need that too. best balance ratio guy Mm. who stands (sighs) up the most I haven't thought about it enough. I right, like we'll a, circle back. Next, next yeah, pot. Next, next pot. Balance ratio. How about best blitzer? Devin Bush. This was close. I think both the Devons are very good blitzers. They are, really. Bush attacks with a little more ferocity. He, yeah. he wants to, he's out for blood just a little more than Devin White. Devin White's pretty freaky, but Devin Bush. Bush also has that. I think he's got that versatility where if you are playing a mobile quarterback and you want him to play spy and all that type of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. would be a fan you're not drafting him just to do that but the fact that he has that in the bag because of his 4-4 speed and all that stuff is nice um and that add-on blitzer i mean bush can be a weapon in that game best in coverage i didn't feel great about saying devin white i don't think we saw as many of those spectacular plays from that we saw from say like a Dion jones at lsu mm-hmm. but white just has that potential range at linebacker yeah i i love his ability to make plays a front of him, and I thought he made plays behind him and dropped and ran with guys better than Devin Bush did in this class. Yeah. I thought he'd, you know, there's multiple aspects that you can be good at the linebacker position, but I just thought him dropping deep and turning and running was better than any of the linebackers I saw in this class. And then the boomer bust linebacker prospect, I, I guess Mac Wilson from Alabama is still getting that first and second round. Yeah, hype. I mean, like he's like the only one besides the two Devins that is, seems to be getting any hype and. I don't really feel like the, the White or Bush are... I feel like they're pretty safe with how athletic they are and what we've seen from them already. I don't, I don't want to say anyone's safe, but I feel like there's a role for them, whereas Mac Wilson, not nearly on their level athletically, uh, not nearly as productive as either of them. So at that point, if, he's, if you're drafting him in the first round, you're not getting a linebacker, in my opinion, close to either of the other two. We have 11 linebackers ranked ahead of Mac Wilson. Uh, a couple of years ago, we did what uh, most over... Uh, most important and most overrated traits by position, right? Mm-hmm. On one of our podcasts. Did we do most overrated traits? I can't remember <sighs> if we did. Either, either way, one of the most overrated things that I think people see is just how hard a guy hits. Mac Wilson has some of those free kits. I remember him as a true freshman just running down on special teams, just destroying people. Mm-hmm. And it kind of catches your eye, but it doesn't matter that much in the grand scheme of when you're grading every single play and all that stuff. So yeah. I feel like that's still kind of working in Mac Wilson's favor, maybe? Yeah, I mean, I think... People are paying a lot of attention to the name on the front of this jersey. and Alabama. Yeah. I yeah. feel the same way about the Wisconsin guards, too. It's like, they didn't go to Wisconsin. You wouldn't 
you wouldn't be calling these guys, you know, second rounders. Yeah, They're just that you kind of get you kind of get enamored with a position at a school producing so much success that this guy has to be good too. Eh, not necessarily. All right, let's go to cornerback. We've talked about uh, the next two quite a bit: best in zone and then best in press man. Best yes. zone corner, Byron That's Murphy mm-hmm. from Washington. Best in press man coverage, Greedy Williams. They're one and two on our cornerback draft board. And again, because every team's different, some in our world, even if we were drafting four different teams, we'd say, hey, Greedy Williams, we would take first for certain teams. Byron Murphy would take first for other teams. We've said this a zillion times at this point. You guys, if you're listening, tell, let us know how many times we've said this. Let us know. Practice. Let us know. Dozens. All right. Give Dozens. me your best slot corner. This best is your slot corner, guy. my boy. Jimmy Moreland, James Madison, 18 picks in college, him breaking on routes underneath, special, physical. You can play man from the slot, about as good as anyone in this class. Maybe David Long might be my best man corner from the slot if I'm picking, but Moreland, I love his short area quickness. Love him. He's a football player, Steve. You describe him as a football player. Just a football player. The dude loves to get after it. I feel like you're getting worse and you're you're using upside and football player and... It's a mentality. He has the mentality. Reminds me of Mike Hughes from a uh, year ago, where it's just he's undersized, just not the most athletic, but Mike Hughes, another one of those corners that acts as if he's six three, two hundred ten pound corner. Mike Hughes is another one of those guys. You you never you never have a sub four five right forty in the first round. Yeah, that those guys never go high. They never go, never go. Uh, So boomer bust. I'm going to mention a guy that I like. So Justin Lane who has yeah. been my sleeper for like 12 straight weeks here. I'm also going to call him boomer bust because I think it's going to depend on his scheme and his development as a press man corner. Okay. I love his zone skills. I love his length, ball skills, former wide receiver. So there should be some room mm-hmm. to grow some ugly reps as a press man corner, though. Mm-hmm. This reminds me a little bit of Rasul Douglas a couple years ago with West Virginia. They played all off coverage, and he, he was just fantastic, making plays on the ball, playing in zone. And then he goes to the senior bowl. It's like he's learning how to play press. And it was really ugly yeah. at times. And it was one of those, like, if, if somebody can get Harness. him to improve this, this part of his game, Rasul Douglas mm-hmm. could be really good. And he's starting to get better with the Eagles. I feel like Lane has a little bit of that to him, depending on how he's used. All right. I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to go with Isaiah Johnson, the Houston cornerback. If okay. you were to create a cornerback's measurables, you would build isaiah johnson and uh, just ideally he is six foot two 33 inch arms 208 pounds he ran a 4440 he had a 36 and a half inch vertical an 11 foot broad jump 6813 cone and a 4.06 short shuttle i mean he just moves differently than anyone else it moves as elite as you possibly can at the cornerback position but he was a wide receiver two years ago only played corner for a couple seasons. Uh, can't tackle to save his life. I mean, he's just not a good tackler. Probably some of the worst reps I've ever seen. Attempting tackles. So don't put him in like a cover two scheme. That's not what you want. <laughs> but the dude makes freakish plays on tape that no one else can make because of that athleticism. The potential is off the charts, but there is a ways to go. He I has d- a ways to go. I didn't see how those numbers stacked up to Kevin King from a couple years ago was king a little bit slower because he had the change of direction at almost six three right that was just yeah his freaky. his change of direction uh he was did king run that fast though he ran that fast i think king ran a four four also king was in that type of range right yeah and, the, and he was this boomer bust type of cornerback prospect because at washington he would have this freakish incredible interception but then mm-hmm. just wasn't you know he wasn't nearly as good as Sidney jones just on a play-for-play basis four four three for king 
389, so even better in the shuttle. 656 in the cone. Yeah, the so cone was ridiculous. 39 and a half inch vertical for him. And was 6'3", 32 inch, so an inch shorter arms. The arm length was a little bit shorter. But yeah, Kevin King has similar mm-hmm. measurables. What did he go, second round? Yeah. Packers. Um, what else do we have for Boomer Bust? That was your guy. Let's move on to safety. Last one here, because we're not doing special teams. No, we're certainly... Well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll call Gordon in. Just call, for put kicker on speakerphone here. Yeah, we're not going to do that, though. Um, I made up my own best burst. Darnell Savage. You did make up your own. You just I just said best burst because he's got the best burst. He just flies through the catch point <laughs> we did so fast. I put him in the first one. round. He's just incredible. I could be wrong. He might be the, he might be the boomer bust guy, too, because I might yeah. be completely overrating. Here's the thing about Darnell Savage. I could be completely overrating how good of a playmaker he could be at the next level, but I absolutely love what he did at the college level, mm-hmm. the athleticism tied to it. I'm pretty much banking on him cutting down on the 10 to 15 missed tackles that we've seen yeah. per year, but if he doesn't, could be some ugly reps out there too for savage no best burst i mean i wasn't prepared for this one because you did add it just throw it on me but sure darnell savage this is one of the first ones i added to the document like you gotta pay attention so really i just had my last sip of coffee this was just like pure tar i mean it was just pure caffeine to my veins Uh, i might be i might not do the mid cup the mid pour i think the poll is going to be over mid pot pour. We, and we'll get a full we'll do a breakdown at you the need end a 24 hour poll by the i'll way, give you too. the you got to get the you can't just get people that are at work on, they're at their mid lunch hour. hour they're at people at their lunch hour. i need people that check in at 6 p.m after work and they they need to be able to vote too. all right let's blow through safeties and then we'll get to the poll all right best vhs okay this is another made-up term this is a sam monson made-up term vision vhs this is called a vision head start which is essentially just making up terms like our friend mm-hmm. Lance Erlang. The When you see what's happening mm-hmm. and you just immediately move. Immediately move. Okay. Right? So the, the process of seeing a play and reacting almost immediately. Some mm-hmm. people call it uh, instincts. Yes. Some people call it, what do we, football uh, intelligence. IQ. Or what's um, the buzz? Oh, what's, mental processing. Oh, mental process. Some people say mental processing. We're calling a VHS. Deontay Thompson from Alabama. Sure. Deontay Thompson works for that. I, I can see it. He has a good feel for the game. Does not have a good feel for running a 40-yard dash. Smart. Genius move. Mm-hmm. Saved him probably two rounds. Best tackler among safeties? Taylor Rapp. Yeah. Easy one. He missed one like week one against Portland State or whatever, and then missed only one the rest of the what season. What was he thinking that game? Portland Just State. diving. Yeah. Just diving at a dude. Uh, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's like the anti... Uh, Trey Waynes. Trey Waynes. He's like so good changing directions and so incredible, like stopping in just any way, which way, shape, or form he wants, any direction he wants to go. He can get there very quickly if it's like within five yards of him. If it's, you know, like 20 yards away from him, you might take him He's a, a little slower in the four seven. That is anti Trey Waynes. Yeah, Waynes had the better. Waynes had a quicker 40 time than his short shuttle, yeah. shuttle which is. Waynes. Wayne could get somewhere 40 yards away super quick. He could not get somewhere five yards away like at 3 o'clock or like 4 It would o'clock. take him the it same amount of time. Yeah, it was, took him a long time. Um, I added best ball skills. I don't know if you saw everything that I had here. Best ball skills. I went Nasir okay. Adderley from Delaware. I dig Nasir Adderley. He has fantastic ball skills. Some of the picks he made were, I mean, his highlight reel is special to watch. Center field type of. It is hashtag ball fun to watch. I mean, he there's a reason why he's also, in my opinion, the boomer bust for this class is because it just it's so difficult to tell from that Delaware tape. You know, you can get away with so much at that level that yeah. you probably can't in the pros that he was 
Uh, I do love the ball skills, though, but you just don't see... He's still just so much projection. He reminds me of Malik Hooker, too, because the boomer bust aspect is... Wow, Hooker made like three or four interceptions that you're just exactly. like, wow. Exactly. They're, they're small samples. Like right. And Adderley is the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual boomer bust safety we're going to go with here, though, is Jonathan Abram. You're going to go with. I won't. I'm there. going with Mississippi okay. State. Jonathan Abram. Yeah. Um, we did the whole breakdown, how he you know, compares to Keanu Neal. And if you put him in the Keanu Neal role and he's a pure strong safety in this cover three scheme, he could probably succeed. He's got a lot of skills there, but he's still never really graded well for us other than in those strong safety snaps. And ultimately, how valuable is that? Can you find... 20 guys that can run that strong safety role mm-hmm. because it is pretty simplistic. Yeah. Um, so Jonathan Abram from Mississippi State, I just don't want to take him in the first round. And I don't think he's so close to where I'm saying, oh, let's just throw him as as my linebacker. Let's do him, have him do the safety to linebacker transition. I don't think he's that close enough in how he plays the run. And, and even if he was, do you really want to take that in the first round? Yeah. Probably not. No. So. Um, are you going with Adderley as your official boomer bus safety? I went with Adderley as my official boomer bus safety. Okay. See if you... Is that do I can I No, that's okay. Approval? We've mentioned okay. every safety as boom or bust because honestly I think that's the nature of the position. Use these guys in the right way. I don't know. I think you get some boom. I think there's some I think you know what Taylor Rapp is. Taylor Rapp's a safe you know safety. What Chauncey Gardner Johnson is. I think you know what Amani Hooker is to some degree. They're yeah, not gonna be drafted. Pattern as, for the they're not gonna guys. be drafted as high. We're saying the safeties that are possible first rounders here for us could be. Busty. All right. So there you go. It's superlatives on the defensive side of the ball. It's a fun little podcast, Mike. Fun to watch. The we- poll actually just ended, which is incredible timing. Doing? 51% said, yes, you are, in fact, an asshole for taking that cup of coffee. That was, was a leading question, man. I don't think it's a leading question. I don't see how it is. The exact words were, are you an asshole question. if you take a cup of out of the office coffee pot that's midway through brewing? That is, I mean, that's exactly what happened. You can add your context of, I was starving for coffee or whatever, I don't think that makes you any less of an asshole. I did it today because we were supposed to start the podcast immediately. If we so would have, it's either if we get started the podcast immediately, then I would have been more lenient to Well, you. that's what I thought. And then I came in and they said, no, 10 more minutes. Okay. Then I looked. I looked bad. bad Not going to lie. I might change my way because of the 51%. Let's hope. I might re... Um, but we'll do a little uh, experiment on the uh, human condition. I will change the poll. Okay. Reword it. Yeah. And see what kind of results we get. Good. Because you definitely led the witnesses. So. The witnesses concurred. Are we doing my guys? Oh, should we do a my guy? Do you have somebody? The uh, draft board's up, by the way. Profootballfocus.com. Uh, can I say it's still subject to change? Can we still change it, even though it's in the draft guide and all that stuff? I think we should be able to change it. Because there's, there's some internal debate right now between Daniel Jones and Ryan Finley. Mm-hmm. Full, um, full disclosure here. We have some people that want to move Ryan Finley above Daniel Jones. Pulled Daniel Jones curtain. is currently our fifth quarterback right now. Third round grade on both of these guys, but, we, but we've got some debate about flipping Ryan Finley and Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. So if Daniel, Daniel Jones goes in the top 15, some questions there. Um, there's some debate about Deontay Johnson, who we put in the third round, wide receiver from Toledo. Is this your guy for this week? Sure. Deontay Johnson, my guy, definitely. I mean, I love this dude. Do we need to move him to the second? I, I would. I would say Sam wants to too. To me, I the mean, grades I think like he's him. better than Nikhil Harry. I would rather have him than Nikhil Harry. Oh man, we need to sw- we're switching the draft board on the fly right here. Deontay Johnson, his when you know redshirt sophomore season, the year that Nikhil Harry just was as fast as he was more productive, had a better grade. Took a step back this year because he had you know 
just a human trash bag at quarterback. I mean, a very bad quarterback at Toledo. Ouch. Not hope he's not listening. But oh, fair, so, missed, yeah, he left about 400, 500 yards on Deontay Johnson. Nikhil didn't have exactly the most table. accurate guy in Manny Wilkins. I mean, he's supposed to be a big catch radius guy. Oh. I'm kidding. Now, I, now that got biased. That got biased. But I'm just saying uh, I, I would I just think. The board's not final yet. Okay. It's not final yet. We can switch it a little bit. Okay. I'm allowing this. Um, I need a but guy. So good. Deontay Johnson is my guy. So Deontay Johnson, just dynamic route runner. And I think he's just like Toledo. also punt returner. He led the nation in punt returns over the last two years. Punt return That's average. So. Uh, I'm going to go Max Crosby from Eastern Michigan. Okay. Have we talked about him yet? You know, I, we did a preseason a lot. draft guide two years ago, and I remember writing him up in the preseason guide. He never declared in the 2018 draft. Here he is in the 2019 draft. Now three years of really good grading. Got good size from Eastern Michigan, good movement skills and all that stuff. And he's in our third round among edge defenders. We've got 15 edges going in the first three rounds, and he's in our top 15. So, yep. you know, the fact that Max Crosby um, – is even that high coming out of Eastern Michigan, I think, says a lot about him. And he could be a little mid-round steal. He poor, could be a guy that's there in the fourth or fifth. Poor round. man's Brian Burns. Is, that's what you is called his him? Name. Poor man's Brian Burns. Poor man's Brian Burns. Is that going to do it for us? That's going to do it. All right. That'll wrap it up. That's the PFF podcast for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Mike and I are going to be on Sirius XM NFL Radio Tomorrow Friday, morning. 10 to 12. So if you guys are already... Listen to this before. Be sure to tune into Sirius 10 to 12. It might be a lot of the same stuff. We might repeat a whole <laughs> bunch of it, but it'll still be fun. We'll put a little different twist on it for the serious people. Uh, draft guides out. PFF Edge or Elite. Go check it out at ProFootballFocus.com. The YouTube channel. All of our draft profiles are coming out. And then we'll be back here with the podcast on Monday. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys next week. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus NFL.